0: Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, "This indeed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world." Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of God will stand forever. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help, so let us begin with a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. Through it, we need your help to illuminate this word to our hearts. Help us to understand. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us today. May it have its full work in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I feel like I say this almost every week. This is one of the most popular passages in all of Scripture. John's stories in the Gospel are one of the most propagated, told stories, images of what Jesus has done that we are almost all familiar with if we've been part of a church for any time. In fact, this miracle is perhaps the most famous of all of Jesus' miracles because it is the only one that's included in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all include this miracle in their gospel account. No other miracle besides Jesus' resurrection has this much time and content placed into it. And each of them tell this story for a variety of purposes, and John has his here for us. But I think one of the reasons we don't want to miss about why this was in all the gospels is because of how massive of a miracle this is. Just looking quickly at the details of this story, we see that there is a lot of people present. It's, we're told that 5,000 men are seated now. That doesn't include the women and children. That would have no doubt been there as well. And so if you think about these families sitting down, we have at least 20,000 people, if not 25, 30,000 people participating in this miracle, eating from the hands of Jesus, seeing what he has done this would have been a massive public event. I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or, you know, even a Fargo down Bison game. How many people fit into that stadium? Well, that's about how many people would have been here, if not more than that. Think about this amphitheater out here. It would have been like Jesus up on the stage and just people over flooding the hills. This was a huge public event. Jesus has time and time again disappeared into the background prohibiting himself from being too public until now. Jesus is doing this massive sign, participating with all of these people. He's revealing himself and what his ministry is all about. And our main point for today is this, that Jesus is the king who provides for his people. Jesus is a king who's providing for his people, and we get to see that here in a couple different ways. But too often, like the people here at the end of this passage, we too, we misunderstand what his kingdom is truly like. But Jesus shows his provision for his people in three ways. First, he provides for those who are undeserving. Second, he provides for our needs. And third, he provides... Oh, I'm missing my note. All right, he provides an unexpected abundance. We're all broken, sinful people here. We make mistakes. That's what's great about a new church. So first, Jesus provides for the undeserving. We see in this passage, we're introduced. Jesus comes to the other side of Galilee. He's getting out of Jerusalem again. He's provoked the anger of the religious leaders in the last scene as he has healed a man on the Sabbath. And now he leaves and he's out in this open area, and he sits down with his disciples, no doubt, to take a break, maybe to teach them something. But then he looks up and he sees this great crowd. We're told that the Passover was at hand, so no doubt Jerusalem and the surrounding areas would have been uh, buzzing with activity as people would have come to help celebrate this great feast. And so he sees these, this crowd, and he has compassion on them. He knows there's no way for them to find food for the night. They've probably traveled a great distance. The other gospel writers tell us that they ran around the lake to catch up to Jesus. And so he has compassion on these undeserving people, people that aren't part of his kingdom yet, people that are just chasing after this exciting ministry. They've seen the signs that he's done on the sick. That's what we're told. That's why they're following him. They don't really understand quite who Jesus is. He's doing this miraculous work, and so they're following him, and he shows his compassion to them. Jesus also uses this as an opportunity to teach his disciples. He doesn't get away from his own purpose. He came, and he sat down with his disciples, and he turns, and he says to them, to Philip, we're we going to buy bread for all of these guys. are we're going to buy bread for all these people so they can eat. And he says this to test him because he knew what he was going to do. The second thing is that Jesus shows that he provides for our needs. The imagery here of Jesus giving bread and fish should perk our ears a little bit just to remember the very sustenance of life. Jesus is going to go on later in this chapter. We'll get to it in the weeks ahead about Being true bread about being the bread of life and as we think about bread it's the very basic need of every person the food that we eat the thing that gives us energy each day and these people he is meeting their very basic needs he's a king who is providing for his people as they have come along a great king not only provides you know leadership and protection from a military standpoint but he provides for his people In their basic needs access to food water protection security all of the things that people need to be part of the kingdom and Jesus is providing but he doesn't just provide this meager amount of need because Jesus shows that his provision is unexpectedly abundant Philip answers him when he asks about eating this bread in verse 7. He says, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each to get a little. Okay, so what's 200 denarii? How many denarii do you guys have? It's a weird word. It means a day's wage. So a, a day's wage in this time, people would have basically spent all of it to feed their family. Imagine a family of six or seven The man goes, and he works the day, or they're working the field together. However their family system is set up, their day's wage would basically cover their food for the day, and maybe a little bit more to help their household run. So 200 denarii, 200 days wage. Maybe $200 a day in our time, $300 a day. $50,000 wouldn't even be enough to give everybody a taste. If you've ever gotten married or been part of planning a wedding, you know that it gets real expensive real fast as your guest list grows, and you wonder about that second and third cousin and that uncle you haven't talked to since high school. $50,000 wouldn't be enough to give everybody a bite if I invited 20,000 plus people to my wedding. Jesus is faced with an impossible circumstance. Remember, we talked about 20,000 people in need of being fed. Jesus puts himself as the one who's solely responsible for them. He sees them, and he looks to his disciples and says, how will we feed them? And they have no idea. In fact, you kind of get the sense that this saying from one of the disciples is kind of a joke hey we got this kid who has some loaves and fish five loaves and two fish what is that why would he even tell jesus that that's just an unthinkably small amount of food and if you even thought that these are just huge french baguettes that maybe they could break them up well five barley loaves would have been more like little crackers and two little fish are more like sardines it's a little boy's lunch Yet Jesus provides an unexpected abundance. He has the people sit down. And after giving thanks, he passes out the bread and the fish. And we're told that they ate as much as they wanted. Verse 12 And when they had eaten their fill. Now, those don't really strike us as odd, because that's how we eat all the time. I don't know your favorite restaurant, but I know when uh, we want to splurge and give our kids a treat, we go to Pizza Ranch. And you know what we love about Pizza Ranch? Well, we can eat as much as we want. You can go and you can eat the salad bar, and then you can eat chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy, and then you can go to pizza. I mean, it is called Pizza Ranch. And after that, you get breakfast pizza. Pizza. And after you eat your breakfast pizza or with it, you get ice cream. And after that, you can get a coffee to go home. And don't forget that oversized cup that you can continue to refill with that high fructose corn syrup to make it all go down smooth. And when you get in the car, you instantly regret what you've done to yourself. We often call that a food coma. That is an unthinkable thing for somebody in the first century to have done if you weren't a royal person, somebody with an abundant amount of money. Most people would have only been able to eat what was necessary. And yet here they are, able to fill themselves until they've eaten all that they can, as much as they've wanted. Jesus is providing not just a crumb for them to eat, not just enough to get by for the day, but a feast that they've never had before in their life. Not only that, he has his disciples afterwards go and pick up all of the fragments that none may be lost. Twelve basketfuls. Jesus' miracle is massive, unexpected, abundantly providing, and it tells us about what Jesus' kingdom is all about. Now we see the people respond to what Jesus has done in verse 14. The people saw the sign, and they said, This indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. It's the right response that they should have. They believe and they understand that Jesus is the promised one who is to come the Messiah, the promised King, this one who is going to speak God's words. We talked last week a little bit how Jesus is the, mo- uh, the fulfillment of what Moses said, that God was going to raise up a prophet like Moses from among the people. This indeed is that prophet, is what the people confess. But they misunderstand what Jesus is all about. Remember last week we talked about false messiahs that were rising up at this time and they were seeking to glorify themselves. Seeking to build for themselves their own little earthly kingdom to become prominent, honorable people. Here's a great opportunity for Jesus to do just that. But he refuses to be propped up as this earthly king. He perceives that these 5,000 men who just got their fill, who say, hey, this king, he's got good food. He can provide for us. We want to belong to him. Well, they're ready to take up arms and go after the Romans. They're ready to take up arms and establish this new kingdom. But that's not what Jesus is all about. And so he withdraws quickly so that they couldn't take him by force. They believed because of the signs. They believed because of the bread. They saw what he had done, and yet they didn't understand who King Jesus truly was. Because as Jesus shows his provision, as he shows this miraculous sign, it's not really about bread. It's not really about multitudes. It points to something far greater. You see, Jesus is providing a feast for his people, his kingdom. It's an image of this greater kingdom that Jesus is establishing. Think about a feast that a king would have where there's just opulent, no expense spared, feasting and partying throughout the night would have been common in the first century, and it would have been for the king and his nobles. This idea of feasting until you're full. Well, Jesus' kingdom is for feasting for everybody. It's for the multitudes. It's not just him and his 12 disciples getting together in a private party. Everybody is involved in this feast. And Jesus is taking these crumbs and he's making them a banquet. Jesus' kingdom is for the multitude. And Jesus' bread is the true bread. Because Jesus isn't just meeting our needs for today. We confessed earlier as we professed our faith, as we gave of our tithes and offerings, that indeed the Lord does provide for us each day. But He provides for us our ultimate need not just sufficient grace to get by or to feel a little bit better, but abundant provision for all that we need. He takes what seems like an impossible scenario sinful mankind, alienated from God because of what we have done and rebelled against Him. And He does what is unthinkable. They gather up the bread so that none may be lost, but Jesus Christ will never lose anything that belongs to His kingdom. His provision is never in vain. the beginning of this passage, we're told that the Passover is at hand. And that's a key for us to understand this passage. It's no coincidence that John includes it. It's no coincidence that bread is the main theme in this passage as it relates to the Passover. As the people of God left slavery in Egypt, they left behind their old bread and feasted on new bread. And Jesus is showing what his new kingdom is all about. He is the new bread, the fulfillment of the Passover. Do you remember John the Baptist's confession about who Jesus was? As he came and walked by, John the Baptist yells out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus provides this feast. He provides for his people. He provides for the multitude out of his own cost, at his own expense. But not just mere money. Not just mere exercise of miraculous activity. But by being the very Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. The Passover was this feast as the angel of death came into egypt to kill the firstborn sons the people of israel were told to kill a lamb and to spread its blood across their doorposts and the spirit of god would pass over them and they would live and now here jesus is coming to fulfill the passover in a way that is far greater for a far greater multitude And though breaking his meager body, like these meager loaves and fish, unexpectedly pays for the multitude to be provided for. Abundant blessing for his kingdom, paid for with his own life. Not to meet our daily need, but to meet our greatest need. Our problem with sin, our alienation from God himself. Jesus bears on himself to take away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of Israel. Not just the sin of the descendants of Abraham. But the sin of all who belong to Christ and his kingdom. And his blessing overflows. There's some interesting parallels in this passage from Psalm 23. We had used it as our confession of faith the past few weeks as we confess these words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is the one who provides, so we shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We're told in this passage, There is much green grass for them to sit down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. My cup overflows. Jesus is abundant provision overflows in our lives, not only bringing us redemption and forgiveness, but overflowing into all that we do. And the hope at the end of Psalm 23, that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is truly what Christ has done for us, bringing us near not to just be part of an earthly kingdom, but that we might dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. This passage points us to Jesus, the King, who's not satisfied with merely meager provision, merely an earthly kingdom, but provides for us all that we need above and beyond. May we look to him. May we trust in him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the miraculous work of Christ who reveals himself to us. As the great king who provides for his people. Help us to reflect on this great miracle. That it may help us to see Jesus for who he is. That we may worship him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.